Section 13 of Captain Cook by Walter Besant. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Pamela Nagami. Chapter 8 The Second Voyage, Part 2. The captain mentions the fog and sleet and notes that the rigging was ornamented with icicles, but he says nothing about the dull hours and what with watching the ice, sending out boats to look for openings making experiments with his antiscorbutics and calculating longitudes he seems to have found the time anything but dull at last however being in latitude sixty seven degrees fifteen minutes south to forster's great joy they came upon such an immense field of ice that the captain concluded to try no more that season and steered north very natural says forster that our people exhausted by fatigues and the want of wholesome food should wish for a place of refreshment and rejoice to leave a part of the world where they could not expect to meet with it he says that there were now a good many cases of scurvy on board the captain on the contrary says that there was but one he means of course one case of importance thus ended says forster when the ship arrived at new zealand our first cruise in the high southern latitudes our whole course from the cape of good hope to new zealand was a series of hardships which had never been experienced before all the disagreeable circumstances of the sails and rigging shattered to pieces the vessel rolling gunwale too and her upper works torn by the violence of the strain we had the perpetual severities of a rigorous climate to cope with our seamen and officers were exposed to rain sleet hail and snow our rigging was constantly encrusted with ice which cut the hands of those who were obliged to touch it our provision of fresh water was to be collected in lumps of ice floating on the sea when the cold and the saline element alternately numbed and scarified our sailors hands and so on in fact the ship had sailed into the antarctic ocean the discomforts which the landsman exaggerates into miseries were hardly noticed by the sailors the voyage was dangerous but not more disagreeable than cook had so often experienced for fog sleet and snow off the coast of labrador and as for the cold of which forster complained so much the thermometer hardly ever sank below freezing point but this author's main object was to write up the dangers and the miseries he had experienced everything was exaggerated with the view of effect march twenty sixth seventeen seventy three after a run of three thousand five hundred leagues and a hundred and twenty-two days the ship put in at dusky bay new zealand here they made tea and a kind of beer from the leaves of a shrub of the myrtle kind cook surveyed the coasts of new zealand until june seventh meeting his consort the adventure from which they had been parted after leaving the cape in queen charlotte sound forster's account of new zealand and the people is highly picturesque and pleasing june seventh sailed for otaheite on the way scurvy broke out on board the adventure sighted several small islands arrived at otaheite on august sixteenth forster gives his pen a fuller freedom over this delightful island at their approach faint breezes wafted delicious perfumes from the land and curled the surface of the sea the mountains rose majestic in various spiry forms everything seemed as yet asleep the morning scarce dawned and a peaceful shade still rested in the landscape 
never surely has any island been more described than otaheite the most important part of wallace's narrative is that given to otaheite there are at least four long sections in cook's three voyages devoted to this island forster exhausts himself over it gilbert to whom we shall presently come can find no words to express his admiration of the place and the people what is most remarkable is the fact that every one of these accounts is separately and individually interesting they supplement each other the following general account of the people by forster seems to represent the emotion of the writer in recalling a fond memory of the delightful place he would never be privileged to visit again scientifically it is vague the men are all well proportioned and some would have been selected by phidias or praxiteles as models of masculine beauty their features are sweet and unruffled by violent passions their large eyes their arched eyebrows and high forehead give a noble air to their heads which are adorned by strong beards and a comely growth of hair the sex the partners of their felicity are likewise well formed their irregular charms win the heart of their countrymen and their unaffected smiles and a wish to please ensure them mutual esteem and love a kind of happy uniformity runs through the whole life of the tahaitians they arise with the sun and hasten to rivers and fountains to perform an ablution equally reviving and cleanly they pass the morning at work or walk about till the heat of the day increases when they retreat to their dwellings or repose under some tufted tree there they amuse themselves with smoothing their hair and anoint it with fragrant oils or they blow the flute and sing to it or listen to the song of the birds at the hour of noon or a little later they go to dinner after their meals they resume their domestic amusements during which the flame of mutual affection spreads in every heart and unites the rising generation with new and tender ties the lively jest without any ill nature the artless tale the jocund dance and frugal supper bring in the evening and another visit to the river concludes the actions of the day thus contented with their simple way of life and placed in a delightful country they are free from cares and happy in their ignorance ihr leben fließet verborgen wie klare Bäche durch blumen dahin september first left otaheite cruised among the other islands of the group discovered harvey's islands visited middleburg and amsterdam november third arrived again at queen charlotte sound november twenty sixth sailed from new zealand on the second voyage into the antarctic ocean the captain's account of this voyage reads as if everything was as comfortable and everybody as cheerful as could be desired alas to forster and his father and perhaps the learned dr sparman things looked very different there was on board he admits little scurvy and everybody drank quantities of the fresh wort on the other hand there was a general languor and a sickly look on every person's countenance which threatened us with more dangerous consequences evidently he was one of those who are always thinking of the more dangerous consequences captain cook himself was likewise pale and lean and entirely lost his appetite his father with twelve others on board was afflicted with rheumatic pains our situation at present see how a sailor will hide the truth the captain says nothing of these dreadful things 
was indeed very dismal even to those who preserved the blessing of health to the sick whose crippled limbs were tortured with excessive pain it was insupportable the ocean about us had a furious aspect and seemed incensed at the presumption of a few intruding mortals a gloomy melancholy air lowered on the brows of our shipmates and a dreadful silence reigned amongst us salt meat our constant diet was become loathsome to all even to those who had been bred to a nautical life from their tenderest years the hour of dinner was hateful to us the captain seemed to recover as we advanced to the southward the italics are mine on january thirtieth seventeen seventy four they reached in latitude seventy one degrees ten minutes south longitude one hundred and six degrees fifty four minutes west for the second time the great southern wall of ice i do not know whether any better description exists of this barrier than the following written by the captain himself on the thirtieth at four o'clock in the morning we perceived the clouds over the horizon to the south to be of an unusual snow-white brightness which we knew announced our approach to field ice soon after it was seen from the top masthead and at eight o'clock we were close to its edge it extended east and west far beyond the reach of our sight in the situation we were in just the southern half of our horizon was illuminated by the rays of light reflected from the ice to a considerable height ninety-seven ice hills were distinctly seen within the field besides those on the outside many of them very large and looking like a ridge of mountains rising one above another till they were lost in the clouds the outer or northern edge of this immense field was composed of loose or broken ice close packed together so that it was not possible for anything to enter it this was about a mile broad within which was solid ice in one continued compact body it was rather low and flat except the hills but seemed to increase in height as you traced it to the south in which direction it extended beyond our sight such mountains of ice as these i think were never seen in the greenland seas at least not that i ever heard or read of so that we cannot draw a comparison between the ice here and there it must be allowed that these prodigious ice mountains must add such additional weight to the ice fields which enclose them as cannot but make a great difference between the navigating this icy sea and that of greenland i will not say that it was impossible anywhere to get farther to the south but attempting it would have been a dangerous and rash enterprise and which i believe no man in my situation would have thought of it was indeed my opinion as well as the opinion of most on board that this ice extended quite to the pole or perhaps joined on some land to which it had been fixed from the earliest time and that it is here that is to the south of this parallel where all the ice we find scattered up and down to the north is first formed and afterwards broken off by gales of wind or other causes and brought to the north by the currents which are always found to set in that direction in high latitudes as we drew near this ice some penguins were heard but none seen and but few other birds or anything that could induce us to think any land was near and yet i think that there must be some to the south behind this ice but if there is it can afford no better retreat for birds or any other animals than the ice itself 
with which it must be wholly covered i who had ambition not only to go farther than any one had been before but as far as it was possible for man to go was not sorry at meeting with this interruption as it in some measure relieved us at least shortened the dangers and hardships inseparable from navigation of the southern polar regions since therefore we could not proceed one inch farther to the south no other reason need be assigned for my tacking and standing back to the north they therefore steered north the captain's intention being to fix the longitude of juan fernandez and to visit davis land or easter island on the way he fell ill of what he calls a bilious colic after his fashion he disposes of this little event in a dozen lines forster however makes a great deal more of it and despite his tendency to write up everything shows very clearly that the captain tough as he was was sick nigh unto death in order to give him what was most necessary for his recovery a dog was killed and a broth of the fresh meat made for him the illness of the captain was followed by that of the doctor but fortunately easter island was reached and fresh food was procured again this interesting place with its curious sculptures some of which are now in the british museum is described very well both by cook himself and by forster leaving easter island the ships visited the marquesas whose position cook desired to fix discovered hood's island and palliser's island and once more arrived at otaheite to the renewed joy of all on board forster who was classical exclaimed ile terrarum mihi praeter omnes angulus ridit and the old free and easy life which the captain made no attempt to restrain began again insomuch that as forster says they resembled the happy indolent people whom ulysses found in phaecia and could apply the poet's lines to themselves with peculiar propriety to dress to dance to sing our soul delight the feast or bath by day and love by night on may fifteenth seventeen seventy four they left this earthly paradise in the course of this voyage they visit huaheine howe island rotterdam or anamuka discovered by tasman and discovered palmerston island savage island malacolo shepherd's islands the sandwich islands eromango tana island new caledonia of which they explored the southwest coast and norfolk island a very considerable and memorable voyage by itself the particulars of which will be found in the narrative on october seventeenth they sighted new zealand on november tenth they sailed from new zealand and continued without seeing any land till december seventeenth after giving three weeks to the examination of Statenland and the islands around it cook sailed on his third and last attempt to find the southern continent though with no thought of finding it he did not find it he discovered the island of georgia covered over in the middle of the antarctic summer with ice and snow he also observed certain headlands and found an island or two then as on the two previous occasions cook consented to return northwards when he could get no farther south he had now completely circumnavigated the globe in or near the antarctic circle he had traversed the southern ocean in all directions and had found no southern continent anywhere he now returned to the cape and so home well satisfied we may suppose with his success 
looking into forster for the humbler details we find that during the whole of the last run the crew lived chiefly on the fish which they had salted at new zealand the salt beef and pork were so universally loathed that even the captain himself declared he should never again eat it with any degree of satisfaction the sauerkraut continued to be used and the wort was still taken as a preventive but early in february seventeen seventy five the sauerkraut was finished fortunately not long before the end of the southern exploration on the morning of sunday july thirtieth seventeen seventy five the ships dropped anchor at spithead it doth not become me cook sums up to say how far the principal objects of our voyage have been obtained though it hath not abounded with remarkable events nor been diversified by sudden transitions of fortune though my relation of it has been more employed in tracing our course by sea than in recording our observations on shore this perhaps is a circumstance from which the curious reader may infer that the purposes for which we were sent into the southern hemisphere were diligently and effectually pursued had we found out a continent there we might have been better enabled to gratify curiosity but we hope our not having found it after all our persevering researches will leave less room for future speculations about unknown worlds remaining to be explored these are modest words let us see what forster says in conclusion thus after escaping innumerable dangers and suffering a long series of hardships we happily completed a voyage that lasted three years and sixteen days in the course of which it is computed we ran over a greater space of sea than any ship ever did before us since taking all our tracks together they form more than thrice the circumference of the globe we were likewise fortunate enough to lose only four men three of whom died by accident and one by a disease which would perhaps have brought him to the grave much sooner had he continued in england the principal view of our expedition the travel after a southern continent within the bounds of the temperate zone was fulfilled we had even searched the frozen seas of the opposite hemisphere within the antarctic circle without meeting with the vast tract of land which had formerly been supposed to exist at the same time we made another discovery important to science that nature forms great masses of ice in the midst of the wide ocean which are destitute of any saline particles but have all the useful and salubrious properties of the pure element at other seasons we explored the pacific ocean between the tropics and in the temperate zone and then furnished geographers with new islands naturalists with plants and birds and above all the friends of mankind with various modifications of human nature End of section thirteen